Welcome to The Privy. I am Courtney, joined today by Mr. Elliot Tomeno. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. How are you, Phil? I'm great. I'm great. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm so excited to have you in studio today. Um, there is a lot to discuss. Um, this topic actually came to me through you, actually. I, we were trying to think of... So, Elliot is a friend of Phineas, and Phineas was on, I think, about three episodes ago when we were talking about the Gillette ad. Um, and he had told me about you several times. I had then met you in another form as well. You know other people that I know. So, it was just, like, great synergy. Um, and you kind of gave me the idea about today's topic. So, today's topic is basically centered around coming out in the workplace and what that looks like and how that is. And um, when you gave me the idea, it really hit home for me um, because as I've mentioned to you um, off off podcast, off the podcast, <laughs> um, I've dated a few guys um, who have had these very conservative style um, jobs. And I've like kind of like went to bat kind of regarding their responsibility in coming out to... Um, to show like who they are or what have you. Um, and I would say prior to having a conversation with you, I was very, I was less empathetic to people not living in their truth. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have been privileged in a different way where I've always just kind of lived out loud and that's just who I am because I, I can't pass, I can't hide it or what have you. So I've just been forced to kind of just be myself mm -hmm. in those, in those circles. Um, but having like met you, been around you, been to your events, it's, mind-boggling to know that there was one point, and not to tell your story, that you were not always out. So I mm -hmm. wanted to have you here today to talk about your experience. Awesome. It's on you, Elliot. <laughs> wow. Where do, where, where do I start? I know, right? <laughs> I think maybe starting in, in Arizona, where I grew up, um, mm -hmm. you know, pretty small town, a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, lots of big trucks, lifted trucks, a lot of hyper-masculinity, mm -hmm. kind of the Wild West vibes. Um, you know, definitely wasn't a place that felt like I could ever come out in. Right. And I was uh, middle school, probably I knew I was gay, and and high school I definitely had all these straight friends and took a girl to prom and and you know really wanted to climb the social ladder in high school. If I'm being really really Absolutely. frank with you guys, I like did it as well. You know, I was middle school. I changed um, from middle school to high school. I changed school districts. So coming into high school. I really wanted to create a group of friends that I thought were like the coolest kids in the school. And I think to do so, I changed a lot of parts of myself and, mm. you know, started dressing a certain way and started hanging out with these kids and, you know, took this girl to um, homecoming. Um, when I was in my junior year of high school, I met this group of guys um, that all were a year older than me involved in student government. They were all straight, but they were super creative and super spiritual. And they told me to stop saying fag and gay. And I was like, wait, wait these guys, like, do they know that I'm gay? Like, why are they telling me to stop saying this? Wait, they actually just don't think it's right to say this. And spending more time with them, it made it really clear. Like, there was a group of guys that I could come out to. So I came out in my junior year at 17. Oh, wow. And uh, I – in high school. Uh-huh. Um, one of my first coming outs. Uh, uh -huh. and And then I um, – you know, had a little bit of a hard time at school. A lot of the, you know, the the group of guy friends that was in my grade stopped talking to me in the hallways. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit of like uh, being ostracized a little bit. And so I decided to graduate high school early and go down to college with this group of guys that were a year older than me mm -hmm. and went to University of Arizona and was really out there um, and had a really great experience um, through a lot of parties, was friends with like the, the jocks that were on the lacrosse team and the sorority girls and you know, also friends with, but I didn't really have many gay friends there. I yeah. had mostly straight friends, but I was still out and open. Uh, fast forward to 
moving to school in Switzerland. I decided to leave this small college in in, uh, in Arizona, and I had this opportunity to go to this 300-person school in Switzerland, Lugano, Switzerland, right on the border of Italy. Absolutely beautiful. Thought I was only going to go for a year. Ended up staying for all three. First day that I'm there, I realized that I'm the only gay person in this whole school. Not mm-hmm. not just, you know, that I wasn't friends with anyone else, that I was the only gay person there. And, um, you know, high school, college me, um, you know, dressed very straight and wore a lot of camo and reef sandals. And I realized I shouldn't tell everybody that I'm gay my first day, even though I had a boyfriend coming into this college. So I told everybody that I was bi. And, oh. and this is one of my first, you know, first times I kind of really obfuscating my sexuality after coming out at 17 this is me 19 in switzerland and so i was by for my first like two or three months and um, felt like that was an easier way to make friends and and to again maybe climb the social ladder a little bit become um invited to places i wanted to be in every room that i could possibly be in i wanted to be friends with the kids from saudi arabia the russian kids the kids that were from america and a lot of the american kids come came from oil money i was one of the only kids on a student loan there so I, I was by for the first couple months. Once I made friends, I felt like I could come out a little bit more um, at college in, in Switzerland. But I still always kind of had this tag on me that was like, well, Elliot's like kind of gay. He's like, he dates guys, but he's like, he's like bi. And I always liked that. I think there was some power in that for me in not being pigeonholed into one mm. category. Had I slept with girls? Yes. What, did I really consider myself bi? No. Yeah. Um, it was just more like an, a, a way for me to ease myself into this situation socially, especially being the only gay person there. Um, graduated college in 2008 and went to San Francisco. San Francisco, you know, very gay city, was very able to be out there on a social level. But one of my first jobs was doing PR for the international auto shows and, and motorcycle shows. So I was going around the country working with these auto show dealers to put on these big auto shows, and I was doing the PR for it. So I'd be in the morning with the uh, local uh, weather woman or weatherman, and they'd ask me about the auto show, and I'd be kind of like the spokesperson. Come on down to the auto show. We've got 300 new model vehicles. Oh, Elliot. Oh, we've got Sugar Ray performing on Saturday <laughs> night, and we've got the Hawaiian Tropic Girls on Sunday. Fun for the whole family. Come on down. <laughs> and and if you guys even notice, I even changed my voice a little bit when yeah, I did that, when I go yeah. back into that mentality. Um, these... These auto show dealers, guys, are like – they're in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. They are hyper-masculine sales bros. Hey, man. How's it going? Great to see you. Awesome. Yeah. Like I didn't feel comfortable being gay in front of these guys. And my boss didn't ever push me to – I was out to her, but she never really pushed me to be open to our clients. And so I felt like if I was going to be successful – here I am at you know 22 years old. If I'm going to be successful in this job, I kind of got to hide my gayness. Um and in every aspect, in my voice and my demeanor and what I talked about, you know, with the, with these auto show dealer guys talking about girls, um, showed up wearing very traditional suits, um, went out and drank with them and, and you know, introduced them to women and, and you know, f- flirted with girls. I felt like this is what I had to do to get to where I wanted to be in, in my career at that point within this industry, this auto show industry, hyper-masculine industry. I knew this was something that I wasn't always going to do, and it definitely felt a little bit uncomfortable at the time. Um, I knew that I was lying to people, and I knew that I was doing that to get ahead in my career. And because I knew I was doing it to get ahead in my career, I didn't feel too bad about it. I didn't, you know, it wasn't weighing on me in this crazy way. And I think it's important to recognize that for whatever reason, my voice, my demeanor naturally leads me to passing as straight. And I'm doing quotes mm. in the air for everyone who can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm not saying that passing as straight is a good thing or bad thing. I just know that because of who I was, I was able to do it. And so I did it because I knew at that point it was going to help me in my career. Um, If I look back, would I do the same thing again? Probably in that situation. Mm. If it was 2009 Mm. and I was doing work in, you know, Virginia and Orlando with these hyper-masculine bros. Um, After that, I was able to go and, and work at a bunch of different agencies where I didn't have to hide my sexuality to my coworkers mm. or my boss, but I felt the need to not tell people that were my clients. Uh, the next agency was an agency that did surf, skate, snow PR, dragon sunglasses, skull candy headphones. The, the, the main CEO of dragon sunglasses was, you know, a, a masculine guy. Mm. Um, I didn't feel like me telling him that I was gay or that I was dating a guy would help me in any way. So I didn't, I'll, I'll stop there for a second. Cause there's, there's more, um, but I think that that, you know, those first couple years of my career made it very clear to me that if I can hide my sexuality, I'm going to get further along. And at that point, you know, my parents had just gone through bankruptcy. I've got this 150K student debt from going to school in Switzerland. I'm like, I need to do whatever the fuck it takes. I don't know if we could swear on this podcast. Oh, totally can. I need to do whatever the fuck it takes to get far along in my career so that I can be independent and that I can pay off my student loans and that I can have the life that I want to have. I don't know if I could have been out to those clients and done as well. I, I won't be able to know unless I could go back in yeah, time and do it, yeah. but I don't think I would have been able to. Got I don't it. think I would have been able to grow in my career at that point. Next job was working for a 70-year-old woman who ran a marketing agency, and I was running her office in San Francisco. She definitely knew I was gay. Did our clients at that point? Probably not. And did I keep it that way? Yes, pretty much on purpose. Now, fast forward four jobs. I moved to New York City. And I started my own PR agency um, after working at maybe seven different PR agencies. I'm 27 years old, um, and I had had some friction with my boss at my last agency, and I already had a couple gigs on the side. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to start my own agency. So I started my own agency working on tech. Um, I've always really done mostly tech in the last, like, you know, even before that, had, had done tech for about five years and startups. And in the tech world, I was always pretty much the only gay guy in the room. Mm. Um, and I was very aware of that. Um, and, and so I made sure to not bring it up. You know, there was, it, it felt like there was no positive in bringing up my queerness or my, my sexuality in those uh, situations. And once I started my own agency, that, that pressure continued maybe about like, you know, four or five years in my owning of my agency. This is from 2012 to maybe 2016 to where I was ready to be a lot more open with almost every client. And a lot of things changed along the way. I became more confident in who I was. I became more successful. I became more well-known as a, as a tech PR guy. Um, I got accolades. And I think once those accolades started piling up and I built a team of 20 people, I was like, you know what? I've kind of proven myself. I don't need to be – I don't need to hide my, my, my sexuality in this environment anymore because I've already kind of made it in some way. Mm. And once that light bulb went off, um, you know, 2015, 2016 – all of a sudden, I started dressing a little bit different. I started having more fun with my style, wearing more weird colors. Um, you know, some days I'll be in a suit with a bright pattern. Some days I'll be, um, you know, in more streetwear with lots of necklaces and a pop of color on my sneakers. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable to express myself visually um, until I was able to express myself fully sec- with my sexuality. Mm. Um, and I think that was a big change for me and opened up so much creativity and opened me up to helping people 
in a way that I never had before. I started doing a pro bono contest um, where we gave away a free year of PR to anybody that was LGBTQ, uh, an LGBTQ-founded company or a female-founded company or a person of color-founded company. And this was something that I don't think I would have been able to do before because I I was kind of hiding the fact that I myself was a minority mm. um, or, or at least not making it public to everyone, kind of picking and choosing when I shared that information with people. Um, I started dating someone about two years ago that's like super in his own skin and has always been very out and gay. And I think that even pushed me a little bit further to now even on my Instagram and my social channels, there's pictures of us kissing and I'm definitely not hiding it anymore to anyone. But there are certain men who come into my office still. I might be wearing a suit. They might be 55 and I might not bring it up. I'm not hiding it, but I'm also not leading with it because there's – for me, I'd rather have them see my brilliance first before they start putting me in the bucket as like the gay PR guy. Right. Do you – so you brought up your boyfriend and – God, I have so many questions from Mm -hmm. this story. So with your boyfriend, have you guys ever had like friction with that? Has he – push you in a way that like he maybe disagrees with how you go about that or definitely okay so i think when we first started dating i was like well i'm not really into gay culture i think i said a couple yeah, of times I'm like you yeah, know i'm yeah, not yeah. really like i do my own thing i'm into music culture i'm into art culture some of those things happen to be gay but i'm not really that into gay culture right and he helped me dig into that a little bit more like why have you felt like it wasn't for you um and i think he helped me realize a couple of things about the fact that i've uh, you know been distancing myself from gay culture like Hadn't ever really been to a gay pride festival, even though I lived in San Francisco for many years. Wow. Hadn't really, you know, done, um, you know, the gay bars in New York, even though I had lived here for seven years. And and him being so out and proud, he used to be a bartender in Fire Island in like 2003 and was in entertainment in L.A. Um, so he's never really not. Yeah, not yeah. been out. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, I don't think he's even met, you know, many people like me who, um, you know, hadn't experienced that part of gay society. Yeah. So he definitely pushed me and he helped me realize a couple of my own insecurities and my own, like, hang-ups, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, you know, being my, – my, my family is, like, super open. My, mom, my mom's a psychologist. My dad has a gay sister. I never had the struggle of coming out of the closet. Yeah. I never felt like I had the um, – issues that people maybe generations before us had dealt with in coming Mm. out and feeling comfortable. So maybe I didn't identify in that way. And maybe because of that, I felt like I was, I don't want to say, I felt like I was beyond needing that community because I was so comfortable in my own skin. I think what I realized is I was comfortable in my half skin, half, you know, passing as a straight guy whenever I wanted to and and being gay when it, when it suited me and kind of taking, taking the hat on and off whenever the environment called for it. And so he definitely helped me realize like if you're going to like, you know, really be fully yourself, you can't just be fully yourself in certain environments. You have to be fully yourself always. So do you feel like you were kind of in a bubble similar to me? I, I growing up, but the reason I have this podcast now is because very similarly, I would say I don't need to be around all gay people to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up in a, in a, um, in the South actually, but like, Throughout school and throughout, I lived in LA for a long, for a little bit. Uh, me being black and gay, which is very interesting for me, mm-hmm. I, w- I never had a lot of black friends and never had a lot of gay friends. And then it came to a point in life, I was like, where is this coming from? Like, why is this? Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with them. I need to look at myself. And so I kind of, looking back on it, I was like, oh, I lived in a bubble. Like, I just didn't think it affected me. And then there was that realization. Did you have that realization or? I think I had that realization like slowly over a lot of years where yeah. 
you know, I always had a lot of, I always had, I always had gay friends, but there was only a couple and they were always like also on the fringes of gay society, right. fringes of gay culture. Mm. Um, so I think I did have that realization, especially over the last couple of years, you know, falling in love with and being with someone who was like so openly gay and mm. took me to Fire Island Pines and took me to um, a circuit party. I'd never been to the white party in, in Palm Springs. And I had this, this nervousness, mm. um, and I think it also goes back to body image, and I think it goes back to objectification. I wrote this thesis in in college um, where I don't know why I was so focused on this, but the objectification of the male body in media. Yeah. And I think this is coming from a personal place where I don't want to be seen as a piece of meat in yeah. the in gay exactly. culture. I don't want to just be valued based on my looks. Right. And at this time, I was you know, I had fluctuated in my weight since I was like nine years old. Um, up and down and there was some points in high school where I was really thin and in college really thin and then once I got into the workforce maybe gained a little bit of weight but I always had this fat kid mentality from like when I was nine Mm -hmm. where I was like I don't want to be I don't want my value to be about my body and my thinness I want my value to be about my brain and my creativity and all the other things that I have to offer so I almost think sometimes wearing a little bit of extra weight during periods of my life where I felt really insecure was a way for me to shut out the rest of the gay world and you just say, don't look at me like that. I'm mm. not, I'm not, you know, don't sexualize me. Um, <clears throat> and the, the male gaze and all of those yeah, things, yeah. you know, like it definitely was, was felt in, in gay settings and in, in gay bars by me. And sometimes I loved it. And, but most of the time I felt, made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So walking into these parties, like the, the white party or going to fire Island pines, there still is a little bit of me that has that fat kid that comes out and it's like, whoa, this is not the right environment for me. Like all these people right. are valuing um, looks and abs more than they're valuing anything else. And do I do my values align yeah. with those who put so such high importance on looks and, yeah. and the physical? And so I think that, that that part of gay culture has always been something that I struggle with that too. Yeah, I, I struggle with that because I'm like the same way. Like I have a lot of personality, yeah, and I feel like I just exude that. Um, and I feel like that sometimes get lost, even when you look at like social media or or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. A lot of like male gay icons are like these six pack ripped mm-hmm. people um, in our day and age who really sometimes don't even really have much to say. But I think that is a struggle, mm-hmm. um, even now, like in in today's culture. Which I, I just find this very like interesting and fascinating. Um, do you think that there was one instance that kind of like awakened you, kind of coming over to being more confident and more of who you are? Yeah, just being like super uncomfortable many times in a row, where yeah. it's like okay, each time it's a little bit less uncomfortable. Each time it's a little bit less. You know, my first we've been to Fire Island twice now. My first time, I was like, I look like a. I think my boyfriend said something like, I look like I was like a scared. Um, like rat, like a shaking chihuahua, you know, just like, just like eyes darting all over the room. Like what is going on? Like so uncomfortable, physically looked uncomfortable in the room. And the next time we went back, I was a little bit better and, you know, went to a shirtless party and took my shirt off and was like, you know what? I might not have the six pack that everybody else has here, but like this culture is about inclusion. Even Mm -hmm. though everybody's looking at each other, like a piece of meat sometimes, like I'm going to just be totally confident in my own skin. So I think that I think a couple of those situations did really help me. Um, going to that white party was super interesting, and uh, you know went with some really great friends and and really had a great time. Even though I felt like this circuit party, you know, shirtless dancing culture was like totally not my thing, and still probably isn't my 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 thing. Mm. But I can be in those rooms and not feel so uncomfortable anymore. Or I think the real word that I'm looking for is judgmental. Yeah. 
you know, I think like I had this judgment of others um, when I'm when I was in some of these rooms in the past where I was like, why do people why are these group of guys valuing this like party, you know, maybe kind of druggy, like super focused on um, physical attributes culture? This does not align with who I am and my values. Yeah. Now I can be in those rooms and say, even though this doesn't align with my values, I can totally respect and yeah. have a judgment-free zone yeah. and allow everybody to to live their life the way that they want to live it, even exactly. if it's not the way I want to live it. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to be. Like, they're all different types of people, all different layers. Yeah. I think that because of, like, mainstream society, we as gay men feel the pressure to put ourselves in boxes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to, like, dating, um, I actually was having dinner with a friend last night. And even, like, the dating, there is this, like, stigma or this, like expectation that like all gay men are in open relationships and mm-hmm. like all gay men are promiscuous and all gay men are on grinder and I think that's just so ignorant like and I almost from- felt like as like I needed to be like the troubadour and like the fighter against that like yeah, I need to show yeah, everyone yeah. by my actions and by not associating that that gays are can be better and and again there's my judgment yeah it can be better than this um but it's just different, yeah. you know, and, and there are all different facets of straight people. There's all facets of gay people in terms of sexuality and in terms of interest. Like me and my boyfriend don't have an open relationship. I, I don't think that I, I will probably ever. Right. But, you <laughs> right. know, here I am 33 saying that you never know in the future. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But letting go of that judgment, I think, has been so freeing. Good. Good. You know, um, and, and it, it is a little bit of self, self-judgment. Yeah. And and, uh, and it is it is something that I think we all need to kind of get over. You, you, there are going to be different people that look like you or in your category that you gotta you gotta accept and love Embrace. the same. Yeah, and it, like look back at San Francisco, two thousand eight when I lived there. You know, being trans even in San Francisco, there was still this separation between gay guys, gay yeah. men. Um, you know, who not bi but gay men and trans people and lesbians, and there was all these different bars and people didn't really commingle, and we would go see trans performers or drag queen performers um and we'd see them on stage and it was fun to watch them on stage but nobody but i never had a trans friend then and i think there was all these there were all these like separations that existed Mm. that i think we maybe i played into because i i was so uncomfortable even just being gay and and living in my gay identity that i couldn't embrace other facets of of queerness yeah and that's still like a problem today i think they're it's so interesting. You actually said this earlier um, when you were saying um, the part about representing people of color and like doing these contests mm-hmm. for um, women and things like that. It really baffles me that in today's age, we don't see as gay men the correlations between people of color, between yep. women. Right. Um, I am so empathetic to that, but it just baffles me that people don't see the correlations and see that we all have very similar struggles, Mm -hmm. um, which is so interesting. Um, Another question I want to go back to, if the car company had had came to you today, knowing what you know now, like in this day and age, would you A, take the job? Would you be more open with your sexuality now Mm -hmm. um, in 2018? Yeah. Um, Or would you, like, how would you... How would you react to it? Well, to it's that? 2019, Courtney. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, I did this. 
I did this the other day. I said 2018 or something. And it was like, Courtney, it's 2018. That is true. I do, I do it for at least like half the year. <laughs> and in, in college, high school, I'd write the wrong date for at least like at least like three or four months. Yes, but give me a break. Would I, would I? Would I? Would, would I take, take the job? A- yes. And you know what it is? It's like I feel like I've proven myself now. Mm. There's – there's um. You know, I have an agency. I've got 20 employees. I've proven my worth working with companies that are bigger than than the international auto shows. Mm-hmm. So them coming to me now, maybe I would know that they will have Googled me yeah. and they will have seen a couple of articles. They have maybe seen my Instagram. It's not hidden online anymore. And, and we live so much more open now with Instagram and, and all these public profiles. And I've definitely leaned into that. So if they came to me now, I definitely would say yes. And I definitely wouldn't hide my sexuality. But again, I probably wouldn't talk about it in front of the 50 60 year old guys because I I it, this is probably wrong and I I don't I definitely don't think of myself as a role model in this degree in this aspect um but sometimes I don't bring it up I don't talk about my boyfriend and maybe purposefully conversations are a little bit different with the 65 year old straight white guy in the room than they are with a younger or a gay person or a woman and and um, I'm very aware of not making people feel uncomfortable. And now this is like, you know, this is the plight of of many minority groups where it's like, do I dance around and uh, and 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 watch my words to make other people in the room feel more comfortable or do I be myself fully and and let them squirm because in that squirming they're going to grow. Mm. Now, right now I'm focused on growing my business. I'm right. focused on getting some of the best clients. Am I okay with um, you know, having conversations go a little bit of a different way with the, that, that straight six year old white guy to land the job or to not make them uncomfortable and to have a really great fluid working relationship with them. Yes. Yeah, I am. And, um, do you feel like you have a responsibility though? Like, do you, and that's why I said I'm not a role model. Because, you know, like, <laughs> like I love this I, yeah. because this is like, this is the, like kind of like the battle. And I understand what you're saying. I can sit on my side, never having been in your shoes or never mm-hmm. having the, the privilege to, seem privileged if that makes Mm -hmm. sense um i wonder is there is there any like sense of guilt or is it because i think it's all different ways i think Mm -hmm. it's one thing that listening to your story and listening to people i've dated and and like friends and like how we all handle it differently Mm -hmm. um especially kind of in that work that work zone um but do i feel like i have a responsibility to answer that question no, I have a responsibility to myself and to my business right now, uh-huh. and and I'm not as long as I'm not doing a detriment right to the gay community. Um, I think I, I feel okay about it. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Could I be using my? Could I be using this position with these men as their first touch point with a with a gay guy that they maybe makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable, makes them grow? Yes. Would could that sometimes impact my relationship with them and my business? Maybe. Um, do, you am think, I, do you not to interrupt? Do you ever think that you'll get to that point? Yes. Okay. And, and I think it, it, it's not just about me; it's about society too. Right. And I think as some of these like you know baby boomers age out of business and, mm. and go into retirement, yeah. and we see these next generations of people who are a lot more open minded and live understanding the um, spectrum of sexuality and the spectrum of of gay men. Because I also think right now what we're talking about is that connotation that. If I'm a gay guy, I must be promiscuous. I must go to these mm-hmm. parties. I must like Britney Spears. I must do this. Mm-hmm. I must. It comes with all of these um, assumptions, mm. and younger generations don't make those same assumptions. Right. Like, so, so being in that room, 
it's not just about me not wanting to like put it in their face that I'm gay, even though I might be wearing a brightly colored outfit. I might, you know, have a couple affectations that they, they hear throughout the time. I don't mind if they wonder, yeah. but I'm not going to confirm it in their mind if I know that it's going to lead me to – it's going to lead them to all these assumptions about me that isn't going to help my position of power right. in that relationship. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if – it is uh, it is something I think about, and it is um, it is still this hat that sometimes I take on and take off, and I'm not like playing straight anymore. But I'm not I'm not telling people or living out loud that I'm gay in every room, in every situation of my life right now. Right. And um, I think if I did, my business might grow a little bit slower, and I might um, make it too much about myself. I don't know, but I haven't tried. I haven't tried in every single room and with every single sixty-year-old, um, you know, old dude in a in a suit. Yeah. Um, I think I'm getting more and more comfortable doing that, especially as as the business grows. But I, I definitely do notice, and some of my team members even notice, like, oh wow, when you're around that, like, uh, when you're around Mike, you're definitely like a little bit more. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Good to see you. And uh-huh. I, I sometimes don't even know that I'm yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's actually a, a, a talent though. It's called match a mirror, and <laughs> yeah. and and it. It is a great way to get what you want, especially in business. And mm-hmm. I do think it's very important in business to kind of like remove the emotions out of it to to get what you want and to be successful. And right. I will commend you on this. You just existing is like that is your responsibility. And I think gay boys, whether it be from Switzerland, from Arizona, will see you as a role model. So I don't I don't think you necessarily have to always like like wear it how mm-hmm. high and proud. I mean, as long as you don't deny it or you don't mm-hmm. lie about it, I think there is something to be said for that um, as well. Now, switching into your company. So you um, have a company of, you said, 20 people? It's right? called Asterisk PR. Yes. And we work with mostly consumer-facing tech companies. You know, some companies you might have heard of, like Squarespace and ClassPass, um, a lot of early-stage startups that we're launching. We probably launched over 350 companies. Um, and I'm also a um, investor in the Female Founders Fund, which is a uh, fund that promotes um, that that invests in women in New York, female founded companies in New York. And so I'm trying to do anything else that I can to invest in LGBT female focused or person of color focused startups. It's not just me helping out gay startups. I think you know something I've said a couple of times, which might be a little bit controversial, is in tech and in business. I don't know how I can make a huge difference for LGBT founders if we don't have some gender equality. Yeah, first. absolutely, absolutely. Everyone, like everyone, needs to be represented. I, I want to ask you. Um, so there are a couple of like little key facts I wanted to um, talk about that mm-hmm. HRC reported um, last year in actual. Actual 2018, <laughs> um, midway through the year. And then I want to hear, like, how you feel about these statistics mm-hmm. and um, how you kind of manage your team and your company. Um, so I found that 46% of LGBTQ workers say that they are closeted at work compared to 50% in HRC's groundbreaking 2008 degrees of equality. So basically over a 10-year 10 10 year period, we've only improved by, like, 
Um, which is crazy. Um, The next one, one in five LGBTQ workers report having been told or had co-workers imply that they should dress in a more feminine or masculine manner. Mm -hmm. Um, Next one, 53% of LGBTQ workers report hearing jokes about lesbian or gay people at least once in a while. Mm -hmm. 31% of LGBTQ workers say they have felt unhappy or depressed at work. Um, And the top reason LGBTQ workers don't report negative comments that they hear um, about LGBTQ people um, to the supervisors or human resources is because they don't feel like anything will be done. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you, as a leader of your company, how do you kind of like make a difference Mm -hmm. in that realm? And like, what kind of environment do you create for your employees? Yeah, those stats are shocking and really sad. Yeah. Um, I don't see any... I don't think I have any clients out of 30 clients that are – I have one gay client, actually, out of mm-hmm. out of 30 clients. Mm. Um, we don't see many gay CEOs out there, so we just, like, don't have these role models. How do I create an environment that's safe for, for my employees? Um, just being openly myself and self-deprecating and making fun of myself and, and being open about my sexuality and talking about my boyfriend, inviting him to events. Um Dressing weird. I mean, one of the mottos of our company is "be weird," and so like oh, it's, cool. it's not just about um, me being weird and and being openly gay, but it's also about anybody. Whatever your weirdness is, like embrace it. It's part of your power, right? Um, you know, if that's if that's like that you love other languages or that you are like a freak about Doctor Who and love like weird sci-fi, like embrace your weird. There's somebody else out there who loves it, and it also shows a little bit about yourself. And in PR, we need to like. Be vulnerable to journalists, especially. Mm. We need to show journalists that we're real humans, that we have real interests. So um, leading by example is an important part of that. Also, hiring and mentoring um, young, queer, um, gay, you know, um, folks from other countries who are, you know, immigrating to the U.S. and maybe don't speak English perfectly and, and normally wouldn't be able to find a job in PR. Like, giving a space for those people and, and maybe... Um, you know, making sure that they feel really comfortable in the office, being themselves as well. You know, I have I have one employee who um, is is gay and a, a, a young gay man, and, and started a, um, a publication called Spicy, and Spicy is is all about um, you know trans and queer people of of color, um, and especially focused on like the Latina community, and just supporting his publication, donating to his publication, making it talking loudly about how much I want to support this publication and how incredible the work he's doing is is, is really important. Celebrating the contributions of our LGBTQ um, employees at the same degree or maybe sometimes more than, than others, I think, right. you know, makes them feel at home. But I think leading by example is the number one thing there. Um, this is such a safe environment in my office that, you know, I, I don't think I would ever hear a gay joke. You know, it's a everybody has a gay leader. And I have employees that are come from um, a religious background yeah. and, and come from um, – a Mormon background, for yeah. example, one of one of our our you know top performing um, junior staff members comes from a Mormon background, and she's in our office space, and and um, you know I want it to be as safe for her, coming from her background and having her religious beliefs, as it is for um, a young gay man who wears highlighter yeah. to work every day. Yeah. I, I want I want both of those people to feel as safe together, and I think part of our strength is that we have so many diverse people coming together. 20 people sitting in you know one office together that teach each other. And these are people that are coming from different states. So we have some people who grew up in New York, haven't spent a lot of time outside of New York, haven't been to California. Them being in the same room as someone from California, let alone someone who's Mormon, let alone someone who's um, doesn't gender non-binary, yeah. like they're growing just by being next to each other, yeah. like growing by osmosis, if yeah. you will. 
And so thinking about that when architecting a team and architecting culture, I think is super important. It's not just making it safe for your LGBTQ team members, but it's making it safe for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's an across the board thing. Awesome. Look at you. <laughs> now, I, I asked you um, when we weren't recording, um, but I'll ask you now. Um, and it's very cliche. What advice would you give to your younger self, Elliot? Like, tw- um, let's say, 10 years ago. What advice, knowing what you know now about your sexuality, about being open, mm-hmm. um, about being who you are, what advice would you give to your younger self? Get over it. <laughs> you know, like, just really get over it. Like, who cares if you don't feel comfortable in, in rooms with other gay people? Like, stop talking about it. Stop caring about it so much. Yeah. Like, there are different people that live in different ways, and that's just how it is, and that's how it will always be, whether you're gay, straight, you know, whether you come from a different country or not, there's going to be people who do things differently than you, and that's cool. Yeah. No need to talk about it. No need to care about it. Like, people are just trying to live, and everybody's got their own shit. Nobody cares about how you feel about their circuit party shirtless dancing. Like, yeah. stop caring about yeah. that so much. There's, it's wasted mental energy. Um, I'd also tell myself to, like, embrace my weirdness when it comes to style. I think I was always trying to either be, like, super on trend fashion or super professional and not really embracing like my own like um visual weirdness because Mm. i think you know you 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 have such a strong style uh courtney and you always have a look on and i think you know like when i was younger in business i was like you know what i i don't feel comfortable expressing myself visually so i'm just gonna wear a zara suit with a black skinny tie and I'm going to have a little tie clip, and that's going to be my flair. Mm. I had, like, collected 300 tie clips because at that time I felt like that was the only way I could express my uniqueness and weirdness. Like, lean into who you are a little bit more. Wear the bright colors. um, Wear too many necklaces. Who gives a fuck what other (laughs) people say about it? Like, if you're not leaning into your own personal style, you're just like a replica of a replica of a copy of a copy of a copy. It's it's boring. And if you want to stand out as a PR person, you need to stand out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elliot, for being here today. You left that on the perfect note. Now, tell people where they can find you on social media. Um, I want to know, like, maybe, like, what's going on with the company, Asterix? Like, where can they find you? All that So we've got this contest every year, and it opens up in July. Um, It's called the Asterisk Annual Pro Bono Contest. Uh Um, You have to have raised less than $1.5 in funding. You have to be founded by a woman, a person of color, or a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, and you can apply. Um, you can follow our social channels to see when the applications open. That is at A-S-T-R-S-K-P-R on Instagram. A-S-T-R-S-K-P-R on Instagram. And you'll be able to figure out when to apply for that contest. Um, also, if you are a member of the LGBT community and you need a little advice on your startup, shoot me an email. I'm E-L-L-I-O-T at A-S-T-R-S-K-P-R dot com. And if you want to follow along, I love traveling. You see pictures of me and my boyfriend on my social channels. Um, I am at E-L-L-I-O-T-P-R on Instagram. Elliot PR on Instagram. You can follow me there. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. This and it's so always, great, I know. You have to come back. I love that you're doing this. I and- love your energy. I just love your, like, self-awareness. I think that's so powerful um, in today's age. And I just love your um, willingness to to accept all people, no matter what that is. And I think that we, as a community, need to do more of that and be more accepting. I think sometimes we can be the most judgmental. And we have been in the oppressed way where people have judged us. So I think it's really important. And I think you've really knocked that out of the um, ballpark. Is that what they said? Um, Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Privy Podcast. Um, 
at The Privy Podcast and on YouTube, actually, The Privy Podcast. Um, I am uploading episodes. I've been slacking on that. Um, I forgot I was on camera. Oh, yes, you are on camera. So you can see his beautiful face. <laughs> Say hello to your boyfriend for me. He was so lovely. I definitely will. I adore him. And then we will see you guys soon. Thank you for being here, Elliot. Thank you, Courtney. <laughs>